In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I would first like to express my gratitude to Bishop Whitmore for letting me come uh, to the diocese and preach on this occasion, uh, and also to Gwen, who has no reason in the world for me to be here except that uh, Burl wanted me to be here, uh, and uh, my gratitude to Burl, uh, who would have his uncle here. So <clears throat> thank you all very much uh, for this privilege. What I would like uh, to do is to tell you a little story uh, that was used in the introduction of a book some years ago. And the purpose of, the of the telling the story was to demonstrate the layers uh, of things that we see. And it was a humorous story because it was the story of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. And uh, they went camping uh, in the English countryside. And they got to the countryside and, and set up their camp, uh, had their meal, and then uh, went to bed. About two o'clock in the morning, it was clear to Sherlock that neither one of them was asleep. And so he said to Dr. Watson, Dr. Watson, what do you see? And Dr. Watson said, Mr. Holmes, I see a full moon. I see the heavens full of stars, maybe even some shooting stars, galaxies. I see the wonder of creation. It's, it's so marvelous. And he said, uh, Mr. Holmes, what do you see? And he said, I see that we have a hole in our tent. <laughs> what I'd like to suggest to you is that that passage from the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John, which was a passage that can be chosen for ordinations, uh, is one such uh, magnificent passage. It's introduced in the gospel by the preceding verse that says, I come that you may have life and that you may have it in all of its fullness. And of course, the amazing thing about this image of having life is that the good shepherd is saying that we will have life through his death. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep not merely risking his life, but consciously and voluntarily and vicariously giving his life for the sheep. Nowhere in the Old Testament is that image found uh, with shepherds. And then he goes on to say again, I am the good shepherd. And in this image, he is saying that it's his death that makes him the good shepherd. Uh, that death is that which is good and beautiful and noble and honorable. Jesus is fulfilling this role so that the goodness of God is able to be perceived. It is something that is admirable, heroic, attractive, uh, and it's all in his death. The 12th chapter of this gospel will say that that death will draw all to himself so that they might see the beauty of God himself. And of course, what he is implying specifically is the beauty that they will see in his death uh, is that God is love. 1 John 3, 16 says, By this we know love, 
that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Uh, Jesus' knowledge of his flock in this passage is likened to his knowledge of the Father, uh, a life of intimacy that in which they are both one, different uh, and yet one, and a unity. And it's not simply a knowledge, but as I said, uh, an intimacy. Uh, the hallmark of the life of Jesus is his relationship to the Father. Uh, and in that relationship of intimacy and unity, we see the character of God's love and the effects of the Son's love. This community that is sitting here in this church today, and these two who are being ordained to be priests in this community, are to be priests in a community that is based on Christ's death. And the very pattern of this community is that life is laid down for one another. For that is what love means, and that is exactly what Jesus has done uh, in the cross. And in that cross is the possibility of life and all its powers. In that cross, we are united to God. The sins of the world are broken, and it reveals the glory of God, which is a self-emptying, willful love. That's the picture that you see through the hole in the tent. Now, as we begin to reflect about this picture, I'd like to suggest to you that the key word that would let us understand this picture is the word relationship. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and the shepherd and the father are one. The only reason in the world that we know that God is love is that he comes to us in relationship. Love is given in relationship. It is not given in information. And when we think about the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity implies that the whole cosmos, if you will, is held together uh, in that loving relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you think about this church and the church of which we are a part, the church is a relational community. And the only reason that we can talk about love is because love is experienced in relationships. Uh, and that is exactly what's happening here today uh, in this ordination. We are doing something in relationship to the Good Shepherd. I'd like to suggest to you that in the culture that we live in today, the threat uh, to the church uh, is that in this culture, we are now replacing relationship with information. Uh, and uh, I'll give you several examples of that. Uh, in October, I was asked to preach at the North American Lutheran Synod uh, in Minneapolis. I took the plane from Milwaukee to Minneapolis, and I sat by a very attractive uh, young man who asked me a humorous question in my collar, what do you do? And of course, I told him uh, what I did and where I was headed. Uh, and uh, he said, well, uh, I grew up a Lutheran, uh, but I don't go to church anymore. And I don't know that whether he expected me to give him an award or not. Uh, but um, uh, what uh, I, he then said is, but I believe in God. 
And I said, well, that's very interesting. This is October. And uh, at Christmas time, how do you suppose it would work if you sent your mother a Christmas card and said, Dear Mother, Merry Christmas. I believe you exist. The acknowledgement of the existence of God means nothing. Voting for God means nothing. What means something is that the Good Shepherd mounted the arms of the cross for you and for me, and it is in that act that we know that God is love. Information uh, is not love. I also had the opportunity when I was the rector of All Saints Church Chevy Chase uh, for 26 months and their uh, bishop with oversight, uh, I decided that uh, having been divorced from the reality of relationships except uh, as a bishop that I would go down to Starbucks in the evening and drink coffee because there were a lot of students from American University there. And of course, when I went down in my collar, people were wondering what that's all about. And I got a fine group of uh, graduate students and others who would have coffee with me in the evening. And after we got to know each other a little bit, I said, uh, why don't you all come up to All Saints Church on Chevy Chase Circle? We have four services on Sunday, and we'd be delighted to see you. And one of the students who had a little more backbone than the others said to me, Oh, Bishop, he said, you know, this Christianity is yesterday. Uh, it's negative. Uh, we believe in love. And I said, well, that's very interesting. Uh, you, you don't... Um, you don't uh, understand human sin, you believe in love, and you live in Washington, D.C. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> and um, we, uh, we had a very interesting conversation, and I said, where do you suppose love comes from? Do you think everybody has a little pot of it, and as we grow older, the little pot gets fuller and better and warmer? Or what is it? I said, you know, I have a son and daughter-in-law who have now had their second child, and Celia is just the most beautiful little girl you've ever seen, uh, and the most selfish thing you've ever seen. Uh, she cries when she's hungry, when she wants to be changed, when she wants to be picked up. The whole world centers around her. And I said, my hope is that Edward and Teresa will love that child so that the love they have for her will go from the outside to the inside, because that's the way it works. Uh, and uh, they said, well, we, we've never thought about it that way. And I said, well, you know, in the pastoral ministry that I've had in the church for the last 50 years, one of the things that I see that economics notwithstanding, because it doesn't make any difference whether a person has money or not, the, the pastoral issue is whether the love the family has for us as children can go from them to us. And when it doesn't go straight, things are a mess. And we as Christians believe that Jesus Christ is the love of God from the outside that comes to the inside. That's what this passage of the Good Shepherd is all about. That's what this congregation is all about here is a living community of people who are able to empty themselves for each other because Christ has done it for us. And it's in that context that we know something about the love of God uh, and, uh, and, and not any, any other way. It's interesting, the last example that I'll use is All Saints Church was a wonderful, wonderful congregation. But when I went there, there were hundreds of people on the rolls and nobody knew where they were. 
You know, Jesus died for everybody except parishioners. <laughs> and so I got a group of people, and we decided to go find to see how many we could find. We found a number of them residing in Rock Hill Cemetery, and nobody knew how they got there. And, of course, since it was Washington, D.C., there were a number in the Foreign Service and all kinds of things, and then people who just disappeared. Uh, and uh, we, over a period of about two years, we were able to go through those roles believing that God loved every human being that has been made and that that congregation would try to have the kind of relationship with them that would demonstrate that. It's so easy for us to become detached and think that religion is all about voting for God. Not at all. Religion is, as I understand the gospel, offering us a living relationship to the living God, and that living relationship that we see in the Good Shepherd transforms life. And when love is not there, life is maimed. There's an example in a book that I've been rereading recently by Oskar Kuhlmann. You know, the Germans, I've got some German blood. They're pretty heavy folks. Uh, and uh, this book on Christology, uh, I've been studying again. And there's this statement in this Christology book by Oskar Kuhlmann. The technological progress of our time has not made faith in Jesus Christ as the center of the divine redemptive history, one bit more difficult than it was for the ancients. We think because we've advanced so far that faith is so much more difficult. Rather, the scandal and the foolishness lies in the fact that historically datable events, for instance, under Pontius Pilate, or in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, that datable events are supposed to represent the very center of God's revelation and to be connected to all his revelations. That was just as hard for the people of the first century to accept as for us today. It's all about relationship. It's all about seeing in the person of Jesus Christ the self-emptying love of God. Gwen, if you and Burl would stand, let me charge you uh, as priests of the church. The good news is that God is not going to expect you to save anything. Uh, he's not going to try to build the world on your shoulders. But he offers you the high privilege of a relationship with the living God in the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, to know profoundly your whole life long how deeply God loves you. And in that grace and in that love, to be able to give that love to others. That is the foundation of all priesthood. And in the ministry, you will find amazing ways to demonstrate that. Just yesterday, I went out for lunch, and when I got to Forest Parkway, uh, there are usually a, a homeless man or two standing there, and there was this terribly disheveled man standing there, dirty, ragged, with his sign, I'm homeless. Uh, and, of course, the cars, he was going by each car, and nobody looked at him because uh, he got to my car, and I rolled out the window. And I said, I don't have any money with me, but Louise is going to take me to the airport in about an hour and a half, and I'll have something for you then. 
And do you know what he said to me? He said, thank you for looking at me. Didn't say a word about money. He said, thank you for looking at me. You see, the good shepherd is raising you up so that the world you minister to can look at you and say, thank you for looking at me, because in that I see the glory of God. Amen.